the National Archives podcast series. British Library Competition encourages video game design students to go off the map. Presented by Stella Wisdom. This event was recorded live on the 12th of May 2014 at the National Archives Q. I'm Stella Wisdom and I'm a digital curator at the British Library um, within the Digital Scholarship Department. This was a new department that was set up in 2010 um, when the library restructured its collections and curatorial areas and they set up an area purely to look at, at digital. So I'm starting my presentation and people might think, well, why are you starting a presentation with a slide of, of two, two young people jumping up and down on trampolines with what looks like um, ice cream cones with lit up balls in their hands? Well, this is a photo from Game City Festival um, in, in Nottingham um, and they're one of the partners in, in Off The Map but I thought this, this photo, when, when you say video games people think of, of people individually sitting in dark rooms um, playing games but actually Game City Festival is a really open and inclusive and family friendly um, festival, um, basically appreciating and trying to share the joy of, of video games and, and this is from from the festival not last year the year before when I went along so how did I get involved in this is a question I sometimes ask and what my colleagues sometimes ask um, I went to a digital preservation um, event called POCOS the preservation of complex objects in Cardiff um, and look, so so really I'd gone along from a digital preservation interest even though I'm not in the digital preservation team at the British Library we have a separate team dealing dealing with that um, but we do work closely with them so 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 I'd gone really along with that uh, mindset I'd gone along with one of my colleagues Jeremy Johns who is our curator of personal digital archives so when, when we get in especially hybrid archives where we take in people's laptops and floppy disks and CD-ROMs I know I know you have the same challenges here so yeah so I'd gone along with the digital preservation interest and not really a games interest but I met um, James Newman and Ian Simons, and here they are looking very cheerful. Um, <laughs> at another video game festival in Margate. Um, they, they have a festival each year called Geek. Um, so so, so I, met, I met these two guys, and they take video games very seriously. And in fact, they've published a number of books on video games, and they're really interested in video game culture, video game preservation, um, all, all of these sorts of issues. So I got talking to them just to try and find out a bit more about this area. Um, they told me a bit what the National Media Museum in Bradford, this is the outside of the National Media Museum, had been doing. Um, they'd had a temporary exhibition um, called the Games Lounge. Um, and it had been such a success, it had actually become a permanent exhibition. So if you find yourself in Bradford, especially if you've got children, you can go into the Games Lounge at the National Media Museum and there's a permanent display of arca arcade games, console games, all sorts of things, and you can play them, it's brilliant. Um, so they told me what had been going on there. And, and, so, and also James and Ian had been working with the National Media Museum to, to have like a physical archive of these games at the National Media Museum. So, didn't want to duplicate with what they were doing up there and also I didn't think I'd get sign off for the British Library to start collecting video games even though some of the legal deposit libraries do. Um, so I thought what can I do? Now we've got the UK Web Archive, I know you archive websites here, here at the National Archives as well. Um, but within the Web Archive, talking to my colleagues who run the Web Archive, we have themed special collections to help the, web, the websites become more discoverable. Um, and so 
had a little chat to them and they were like, well, if you want to curate a web archive collection on video game culture, um, you'd be very welcome to do that. That could be quite interesting. Um, we're always seeking nominations for the permissions-based archive, um, so this could be a fun thing to do. So, so that was my first little delve into the world of video games at the British Library. And if you want to have a look at the collection, there's a link there. Um, I did find in the video game world, um, especially among, amongst companies, um, some, some people didn't think that the British Library archived websites and some people thought it was a hoax. So I, I sometimes get emails back saying, saying um, is this a hoax? Are you really wanting to archive my website? And I would say, yes, um, we're thinking that this is interesting. Researchers in the future will be interested in, in what's happening now. We would. So that was, that was kind of quite interesting. Um, I was also looking a bit like a, at the National Media Museum. Um, I was casting my eyes around to see what was happening in other museums um, and libraries and galleries. Um, and the Victoria and Albert Museum um, had announced that they were having a video game designer in residence, which I thought was very interesting. And that's the lady, Sophia George. I'll just click. I organised a team visit, in fact, to go and see her open studio session. And she, she's been working on a game to do with, with William Morris's um, Strawberry Thief um, pattern. Um, and this will be a game that you can play on smartphones and tablets. And again, I thought this was quite fun. You wouldn't normally think video games and William Morris and the V&A, but hey, they're doing it, and it's interesting. Um, I was also looking around, and games like Dear Esther really kind of made me think that they're kind of, if you, if you kind of look at, look at the at this scene from the game, really kind of challenging what you might think a video game looks like. This is not like lots of pixelated Pac-Mans um, and, and the, the kind of games that people might think of from the 80s and 90s. These are really sophisticated, beautiful environments. So, so I was looking at games like these and thinking, well, actually, this is really interesting. And if you're thinking of, of the kind of cultural value of, of video games, Games, there is definitely artistic merit um, in this. So Game City Festival work with a company called Crytek quite a bit. There's a big Crytek studio in Nottingham um, near to where the Game City Festival um, is, is held. Um, Crytek were interested in this. They were wanting their, their software to be used by other audiences. So we got chatting to Crytek and we got chatting to Game City and, and, they, and, and they were like, well, what, what kind of things do you think would be good for a game competition? So I had a chat with my colleague Tom Harper. So me and Tom put our heads together and got thinking about this and we, and we got a little bit carried away, it has to be said. So we've got maps of Utopia. Um, I'll, I'll explain. So, so we were thinking fictional places, Utopia, game about Utopia, wouldn't that be wonderful? Um, we got thinking about the moon. You could have, you could have a moon game based, based on kind of wonderful, wonderful um, etchings like this. Um, but, but basically, what I'm showing you now is all the rejected maps. So, the, 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 the <laughs> so, so, so it's, you, you'd think picking content for these competitions would be an easy thing to do. But actually, what, what we learned from, from kind of doing these brainstorms with Crytek, actually, the, these sorts of things weren't going to work well at all. This is a, this is a hunting map um, from, from um, the, K, the King's collection, George I's collection at the British Library, and we thought, oh, you could have a great hunting, hunting game, and, and all of these little lines are all, um, all different kind of routes through the forest. So we'd got all, the, all these wonderful ideas of the moon and, 
and hunting lodges and utopia and Babylon. But when we got really talking to Crytek, they were like, actually, no. Um, some of these are too abstract. People, people, the students will think, well, where do I even start? Um, what you need is, is kind of quite manageable environments, especially for student projects. So, so, they, so we, we got told to think more small scale. So that's when we came up with the Pyramids of Giza. Um, so we've got a plan, a plan here, and again, and you can have some really nice views of the pyramids. Um, we, cho we chose London, um, and a, a, but we only chose a small area of London, and we thought 17th century London before the Great Fire. But again, that's quite a small, manageable area. And we also thought Stonehenge, and again, so what we wanted was kind of easily recognisable places that the students would know that, that don't cover a huge area. Um, but because what the guys at Crytek kind of told Tom and myself is whilst games like Grand Theft Auto and other games might cover quite a sizeable geographic area, they've got studios all over the world and massive budgets creating these games. And, it, and if we're really setting a realistic challenge for a small, small teams of students um, to do at universities, then, then we've got to think of something more well-defined. So these were the actual items that we picked, the pyramids, London and, and Stonehenge. And we didn't tell the students to be realistic. That was the other thing. So some of my colleagues afterwards are like, well, some of, some of what the students did create aren't realistic. Well, that's not what we asked them to do. What, what, the challenge that we set the students were be inspired by our collection items and create something. That, that could be something realistic or it could be something very creative, imaginative. Um, the, the task was, but they had to articulate the connection with the British. British Library collection items, so they couldn't just do something, something random. Um, it, had, it had to be some connections, though some of the connections were more tenuous than others. We had two runners-up and we had one winner, and I'm just going to show you a couple of seconds because they are actually very different. Um, so that was that was catacombs. These these are just YouTube and video clips fly-throughs. Um, each of the entries was a playable, explorable environment, but obviously that's not easy for me to take out out and about and, and demo here. So we also asked the students to create um, th these fly-through clips to put on YouTube as well. I think I think the work e each of the individual items in these videos has been created in graphics programs. It's called an asset and then imported in. So everything you see, the flowers. Um, I'll show you some some of Pudding Lane. Um, so that was the winner, but I'm going to talk a bit about this year's competition. So there we go, there's the, there's the winners. Um, what did they win? Good point. Um, the trophy. But really, yes, actually, and some of them have been offered jobs. Um, and, and in fact, um, the old woman at the front is now working for Mercedes doing um, three, 3D environment um, animation work for Mercedes-Benz. That is a very, very good question. And, I, and I've had these conversations with Crytek and Game City. Um, the students really are doing it for the recognition and to showcase their work. And 
and, and that that it's it's those kinds of things. We, we're basically trying to a I suppose help them get jobs um, and, and showcase their work. But but you are right. I have thought about this. They had um, a lot of time spent with the Crytek designers, so kind of full day workshops, and and the students really really appreciated that. And and so really. The benefits to the students were not so much financial, um, but, but the kind of the opportunity to learn how to use the CryEngine with with the CryEngine designers, um, the opportunity to be featured in the press. Um, the, the Pudding Lane book was on the BBC Click program. Um, it had like a good couple of minutes coverage on BBC Click. Um, it was <laughs> it was in the Telegraph um, travel supplement. It was in the Mail. I know it. it it started to feature in all sorts of odd places that we hadn't expected it to, but the students were getting a lot of um, emails and correspondence over this, so, so they were really, really chuffed. So that was last year, and we got thinking about this year, and we, we decided that we wanted to run off the map again, um, but I'd had some feedback internally. I'd been a bit, a bit renegade, and I'd run off the map as a kind of isolated project um, but what I was told is if I wanted to display the students work or to, or to have this um, more embedded in the library to tie it in with our public program um, initiatives so, so to tie it in with exhibitions and what the library's priorities were so I knew for, for 2014 um, the big exhibitions in the Packard gallery would be comics first of all and then gothic um, Comics would have been a great one to do, but it was too early in the year, so comics is, is on display at the moment. It's wonderful. If you've not been, I urge you to go and have a look. It's really great, but the timescales weren't right for off the map. But Gothic was. Gothic opens in October. Um, so rewind the clock. So last last autumn, I got talking to the curators who were leading the Gothic exhibition, so asking them if they wanted Off the Map to be run um, linked in with their exhibition, and they said yes, which was brilliant. There's also some, some really good sites like Twine. I don't know whether people here have heard about Twine, where you can create your own text adventures. You don't need to be able to program. Um, this is something you could do in creative writing classes. And so I started having ideas that maybe we could have creative writing students, English, English um, literature students, and we could have like a twine competition. So we got talking about all sorts of other things. So having learnt from last year, um, we were a bit ahead in the kind of content brainstorming. So I explained to, so we got some other curators on board. So Tom Harper from Maps is still still working on Off the Map with, with me, but we've also got Tim Pye, Greg Buswell, and Cheryl Tip also at the library. Um, and, and Tim and Greg are working on the Gothic exhibition. So got talking to them saying, what would we like to do here? Um, and it was Tim and Greg that really keen to do something on Font Hill Abbey, which you can see some pictures of here. Font, Font Hill Abbey doesn't exist anymore, but it was the home of William, William Beckford, author of the Gothic novel, um, Barthek. I hope I've said that right. Um, and it was really quite a preposterous building because the tower was fell down twice. Um, it, it was very archi architecturally unsound because it was so so ridiculous. Um, and it was very elaborate. I mean, you probably can't see very well here, um, but that's like an interior. Um, we, we've, we've got wonderful um, prints and drawings of Font Hill in the British Library collections. So you can have a good impression about what Font Hill looked like, even though it's not there anymore. And, and Tim was like, oh, if, if anyone wants to recreate Font, Font Hill Abbey, then that would be amazing. We'd love that. 
So I was like, okay, we'll do that. Um, I did want something fictional to be in, in this year's competition. So even though we'd had lots of debate about the moon and utopia and all of those things the year before, um, with, with, the, with the Gothic theme, we did think a fictional place would be, would be quite fun. So, so we picked Edgar Allan Poe's Mask of the Red Death. In fact, I think I've got an illustration here. And um, so obviously, <laughs> this place doesn't exist, it's in the novel, but um, we thought, would it hurt, them, hurt the students to ask them to read a novel? It's only four, I think it's only 41 pages long and it's free on Project Gutenberg. And we kind of thought, no, why not? Um, and, and we thought this could be really interesting. And in, if you've read Mask of the Red Death, there's lots of descriptions about all the different rooms and they're all lit in different colours. And it's a, it, it's, the story itself is, is very much about the castle and the place. And we, and we, and we thought the story is freely available. We've got some nice illustrations. This, this one's by Harry Clark, but we've also got a few by Aubrey Beardsley. Um, they're kind of nice. And we thought, you know what, let's try it. Um, and then, then we picked Whitby and the connections with Dracula, but I mean, Whitby has the Whitby Gothic weekend. It's a pretty Gothic place in itself with obviously <laughs> the views of the Abbey on the cliff and the, and the graveyard and, and, and the kind of the North Sea and the coast. And, and also this kind of, with the title being off the map, we could have some nice sea charts and, and other collection items like that. So, so we picked those um, three themes and so we, we really, at the moment, um, the students are creating their works and we're hoping that they'll produce something as good as Pudding Lane um, and we'll see what we get. I have organised show-and-tell sessions for this year's students um, and, in fact, I had more, more students come in than, than had booked, uh, <laughs> which was quite amazing. What I'd also learned from last year is... <laughs> Undergraduate students don't seem to understand copyright very well, um, and, uh, and, and especially with sound. And, and I think they thought they could just put whatever music they liked on the back on the back of their fly-throughs on YouTube, and that would be okay. Um, and I was so what 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 I've learned from that is you can't take this for granted. So I had a chat with um, Cheryl Tip. Cheryl's our curator of wildlife sounds, but also mechanical sounds. And I was like, Cheryl, can we give the students some sound effects um, and, and because sound effects are not a problem um, especially ones that have been recorded by British Library staff so we've got tons of stuff we've, we've got seagulls and crows and wind and sea and gates creaking and all sorts of things that really lend itself to a gothic theme so Cheryl, Cheryl's done us proud and, and um, found out a ton of good sound clips um, and I also had a chat to another colleague Jonathan Summers and he found some classical music music is much more problematic but these were recordings from the 1950s they are out of copyright they do sound uh, and I've had to digitise them from the vinyl um, because, I, because even though they are available on CD, because when a CD is reissued, it's remastered and it counts as a new work. Um, and, and I thought, well, actually, this is a gothic theme. If something does sound a bit scratchy and a bit crackled, that's quite atmospheric. And hey, it's better for me to give them some audio to play around with um, and create their own soundscapes using that than to have um, random, random music that's 
breaking copyright because what I've, what I've pointed out to the students is if they're flouting copyright legislation then obviously the British Library can't be associated with, with entries that are breaking the law so and we, we'd have to either remove the music or ask them to redo it so we learned that. Um, in fact here's the students um, in, in the boardroom looking at items in the show and tell. Um, so. They've all got digitised copies. So everything, everything in Off the Map, um, we've digitised for them at high resolution and made it available on the Off the Map website. And we've also made it into little zip folders. So, so if, if they don't want to go saving everything individually, they can just download the zip folder and away they go. And that, that was the other big change for this year. Last year, I made the the assets. <laughs> I've got I've got used to calling things what they are in the games industry. So, so last year, I. I got the assets made available for the purposes of the competition. This year, I made everything public domain. Um, so, so I picked, out, picked, picked things out deliberately out of copyright and the, the library internally has got a group called Access and Reuse. Um, I, I wrote a business case for the Access and Reuse group and said, look, I want to make the content for this year's off the map public use. And then if, and then if other people want to do something interesting with it, they can. Um, there's been a bit of a cultural change internally in the British Library. Um, it's a bit like putting all the, all the pictures, the illustrations, the 19th century book illustrations up on Flickr. Um, we, we've been doing, we've just been making lots more things available and putting them as public domain there's still there's still the argument with how will this affect revenue-based services will we be losing money so so I'm not pretending that those issues and tensions have gone gone away um, but we are certainly looking at making more things openly available and so I was quite pleased to make everything public domain because otherwise again it's trying to trying to make sure that things are only used for the purposes of the competition and that people haven't shared them with people that they shouldn't have. It's, it's all a bit of a problem. So I was just going to show one more video, which is one, one that one of the current teams are working on. So I sent an email around asking what people are doing at the moment. And one of the teams are working on Whitby and they've put a fly through up. I've also been encouraging them to blog so that we can see what they're up to throughout the competition. So this is a bit dark, but I'm quite liking this. And they have used the library's sound effects, so when I showed Cheryl this, um, she's quite happy. It's a bit of crow. So this is a work in progress. It's not, it's not finished yet, but I was quite excited to see it. Um, we've also, what, what, what the attraction is, is with this year's is we haven't made a promise but we've hinted at that if there's entries that are a very of a very high quality and they fit with what's in the exhibition I'm, I'm, hope, I'm hoping to have screens up in the exhibition showing the students work um, but I can't promise that because if none of the entries are of a high enough standard then we'd want to be able to make that judgment call or not um, but but my kind of hope really is that we could have the best entry for each of the three themes and then show show the video fly-throughs next to the collection items and that would that will be pretty exciting so so it's looking quite good so far. 
they really again this is this is this is pretending to go underground and under Whitby Abbey it seems a lot of the students are interested in pretending to have these underground um, places Exciting now. I go to. I'll stop it. <laughs> so that that's all the slides I've got. If you are interested in following some of the blogs, um, these are two of the students' teams working at the moment. Um, the flying buttress and the professionals I love that the team called the, the professionals they're doing Edgar Allan Poe obviously um, so that's really all I wanted to say but I've certainly learned a lot from running it last year I've learned a lot about w working with commercial partners learned a lot about selecting um, content for these types of projects learned a lot about students breaking copyright um, <laughs> learned, learned a lot about how to make um, collection items available and so like I say making zip files this year and making everything public domain um, yeah and if anyone's got any questions I'm more than willing to, to talk to you I just wanted to also say that off the map is is not my now my only project in this area it's a bit like it's snowballed in a way so so I'm hoping to there's, there's, there's ideas in progress, um, I suppose, to do with transmedia and interactive fiction that I'm hoping to get off, off the ground and, again, tying into exhibitions. So all I can say at the moment is to watch this space and maybe follow the British Library's Digital Scholarship blog where I do try to blog about these types of projects. Um, but I'm hoping, really, that Off the Map is the start of an exploration into this space rather than an end. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is copyright at the National Archives. All rights reserved.